happy whatever day it is Wednesday it's already Wednesday um happy Wednesday here's another episode finally um Savannah and I hung out after training on Thursday of last week um and Kyle was gone he left to go to the field trial Thursday afternoon and so we hung out until the middle of the night and recorded this podcast episode for you. Um, it was inspired by a post that I saw just from some other dog trainer that I honestly don't really know that much about. I just follow him on Facebook and I talk a little bit about where I heard of him and, and all that. But a post that I saw talking about um, this guy doesn't believe that overly sensitive dogs exist. Um, and my thoughts on that we shared it in the I shared it in the subscription chat and we talked about it a little bit there and I just wanted to kind of dive in a little deeper and talk about that we went off topic quite a bit Um, this is a nice hefty long episode I considered splitting it into two parts but I figured it's been so long since I released an episode for you that I would just give you the whole deal Um, so as per usual, there's not going to be any outro. I don't do outros anymore because I never know what to say in them. So it's just going to cut off and it's just going to be over. Um, fair warning, Bauer was super hyped up during this episode and was running around and playing in the background a lot. But I listened to part of the episode and it didn't bother me as much. So I think that it's probably fine. Um... Let's see, what do I need to plug? You already know that this is a subscription because you're here listening, so I don't need to tell you about that. And if you're here, you're probably already in my Instagram subscription, but if you're not, you should do that as well because those these two things go hand in hand. Um, let's see, my seminar's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and I think that's kind of all I have right now. (laughs) It's different. I don't have to plug as much stuff when it's uh, subscription only because most of you guys that are subscribing follow me pretty closely and already kind of know what I have going on. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate that you are willing to spend your hard-earned money on listening to me ramble about things. Um, It's really, really cool and fun that I'm able to start offering this. So thank you and here you go. All kinds of mouth sounds in the background. Mm, mouth sounds. And scrambly annoying sounds because he's been in a crate all day and he hates being in crates all day. So now he's all fired up and weird and he's playing with a football and he's taking all of his frustrations out on the football. What a bro. He's scared of that floor grate. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a oh, hole. Like, is. have you ever looked at it? Yeah, it's a straight, straight hole. So he is, like, worried that he's going to fall, I'm sure. Have you ever thought about, like, propelling him down? Like, tying a string around him? No. And, like, like a super spy? He would let me. I'd holes small enough, though, that he would just, like, stick all his feet out, and then I wouldn't yeah. be able to stick him through. I think that'd be really funny. But I don't think that he would be, like... I don't think he'd be scared if I put him on a harness and put him... Just, like, put him down a cliff yeah. or some shit. Whatever they call that literally what you said repelling yeah (laughs) okay so 
Our goal is to talk about soft dogs. That is the goal. Okay, cool. How do you define a soft dog? Um. Oh, I thought you just sneezed. No. I think it's hard to define. I think it's very complex. And I think the reason why it's hard for people to really wrap their head around it is because I just don't think that there's any like absolutes in dogs in the same way that you can't put humans in a box Mm -hmm. you can't like put a dog in the box and say he is always soft so like for example in the context of talking about how a dog reacts to corrections and pressure from a human Bauer is actually pretty yeah you is can actually be pretty handler sensitive like he will display behaviors that look like handler sensitivity and like if he if I come in really hot like I'm gonna get after him about something and I come in really hot he'll like duck and flinch and like no 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 please don't like Mm -hmm. but we've also like duped it out because he's also come at me before how do you decide between that and him just like being smart are those the same things like he's intuitive I think that's like I think that a dog that's like handler sensitive is just in most cases like the dogs that I've known that are handler sensitive yeah they're just like I already know you don't have to get on me I'm not like I'm not going to cause an issue it's not a big deal Mm. you know like I don't think that they're really like Bar's not afraid of me in that moment he's just trying to be like whoa whoa yeah I got it we're good um and I think that it can vary so much because the same the same fucking dog Bauer is like a really hard cocky confident dominant dog mm-hmm. and I wouldn't whoa whoa Bauer whoa you're all tangled up in shit stop oh my god that was so dramatic like a mermaid caught in a net jeez little arm got stuck so dramatic um <laughs> So, and like, again, with easy, like the whole conversation that started this was I saw a post by this guy. I don't even know his name and I don't even know why I follow him on Facebook. Well, I mean, I do, but I don't like pay attention to him. He was just on a podcast that Kyle was listening to once a few years ago, a couple years ago, and... You should have bird dog podcast and Kyle sent it to me. He's like, you should listen to this. I really think you'll like this guy, this guest. And we, I listened to it and it was all bird dog stuff, which I wasn't uninterested in at the time, but I wasn't nearly as interested in it as I am now. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked the way that he was talking about dogs and Kyle liked that too. And he knew I would like that. And so then I started following the guy on Facebook. So he made a post the other day where he was essentially saying, and I'm going to paraphrase, that he doesn't believe that overly... Absolutely unnecessary. Maybe they saw a ghost. No, it's literally Kazi and Brew. Like, he could be, like, sniffing her through the crate, and she gets, like, so fucking offended. She's a lady. Okay, anyway, Facebook Um, post. So he made a Facebook post where he basically was saying that he doesn't really believe that overly sensitive dogs exist. He's not saying that sensitivity doesn't exist, 
But he thinks that the, when people say a dog is overly sensitive and they'll, like, sell it, they'll get rid of it because it's overly sensitive, he doesn't think that's true. He basically just thinks it's a bad match. Hmm. But he also was kind of calling people out, being like, you just don't know how to ease off the pressure. And then he went on to talk about how people are more drawn to... Because he trains bird dogs, but he trains other dogs, too. Like, I think he does pet dog training. Um, But, like, he had a Malinois on his Facebook post recently that was there for training. And he said that people are attracted to high-drive dogs because they can be basically again paraphrasing they can be heavier handed and the dogs will roll with the punches a little bit more literally um and that and he wasn't necessarily saying that's wrong but he was just saying like don't turn around and say that this dog is overly sensitive when the real issue is that you just don't know how to be sensitive like you don't know how to handle a sensitive dog you don't know how to be not gentle because that makes it sound like frou-frou but you don't know how to like the word I was using when you were talking about in the subscriber chat was finesse yeah like you don't know how to finesse it it's kind of like the force free argument yeah like don't bash it just because you're not talented enough right to train without tools which I think I mean I still think that that argument can be valid in some cases Mm -hmm. because we were also talking about that in the subscriber chat just briefly someone sent a post and was like, what do you guys think about this? And it was kind of talking about the criticism of balance trainers just suppressing behaviors. Mm-hmm. And they were just going on to talk about why suppressing behaviors is sometimes necessary and whatever, whatever. And I just skimmed it and I really didn't like go too deep into it. But I agreed with the basic concept that like suppressing is not inherently bad. Like there is not, there is sometimes a need for it. And I just said that the real reason why people have an issue with this is because they just can't visualize how that can that can work. Because the the picture in their head of suppressing something, just they can't wrap their head around what that looks like and how that can be successful, so they just assume that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It can't possibly be beneficial. It can't possibly work because I don't understand how it works. And that's a huge flaw just in dog trainers and handlers in general is they're gonna they're gonna knock something before they really think about it and it happens in the force free versus balance and vice versa conversations but it happens in so many other areas of dog training too and i said this in the chat but it's like the retriever people saying like i know i know he has a very specific way of how he does things and i don't think that overall he's wrong about stuff it clearly works for him Mm -hmm. he's successful but it's not the way that I would necessarily do things and I think that some of it is incorrect in his perspective of the the thing that he oh that was spooky it went right over the floor great um so for example I saw a tiktok he made where he was he had a malinois in for training and it was training to be a shed dog And he was talking about how you can never let dogs tug if you want them to retrieve. Mm -hmm. And I commented and I said, I disagree. And I did probably like three or four comments. I went really deep into it. But I basically just said, I disagree that you can separate those things out. Because he was going on to say like when you play tug and you whatever, you play keep away, you allow the dog to like stay away from you. They won't come in and retrieve. And I was like, that's wrong. Because there are lots of sports where, like, literally in protection sports, the dogs go from 
retrieving mm -hmm. to tugging in the same event. Mm -hmm. um, or like in Mario Ring, it's literally in the same day they go from obedience to protection. And the protection sports are essentially a giant game of tug. You know, like put your mouth on this and pull for Shutsun and Mandio, they pull. But then they also have to be, they're also expected to hold the dumbbell or whatever the retrieval item is in Mandio Ring calmly, firmly enough that it's not gonna fall, but not chomp on it, not get all weird and too excited about it. And so like there are people who literally do that all the time and can do that but also i think it's just on a side note really unfair to deny a malinois the opportunity to tug yeah like i just think that that's a shame to like to give the people that perspective that that dog can never tug when that's literally all that dog wants to do like they like to do other shit but like come on it's um but so that i didn't so people say that like you can't do that thing or like pointing dog guys like, even Kyle will sometimes say it. And he knows it's silly now because I've told him that's actually wrong. <laughs> but it happened the other day when um, my, so a woman that owns essentially Easy's niece was here yesterday. And she has a dog that she bought from the same guy, our friend AJ, that we got Easy from. And... He's going to handle the dog in trials, and she's owns the dog. Mm -hmm. But she wants the dog to be successful in trials. Like she, and she's like, you know, AJ told me that I can never teach her how to sit and never teach her to lay down, and so I haven't done any of that. And I'm like, you, you can do those things. You can. And I explained to her why, what like, they they think you cannot teach because you want the dog to stay standing on point. They think you cannot teach a dog to sit or lay down because when they start to feel pressure, this ties back into the soft dogs conversation. Mm -hmm. When the dogs feel pressure from the collar, they may default to a sit. Like all the, our dogs do that. Yeah. Like Quincy did it tonight where he ran up to your car and was nose to nose with Flora in her crate and Lewis uh, put e-collar pressure on him to come back and he froze and sat instead. So... But the issue there is not because the dog knows how to sit. The issue is that the pressure was too high, which in that context, totally fine. But if we're working on bird dogs and you're noticing that your dog is sitting when you're giving them e-collar pressure, it's not because you taught them how to sit and they're offering something else. It's because you're putting on too much pressure and they're caving under the pressure. A dog will naturally stop and sit. Mm -hmm. Like dogs physically know how to do that with their bodies. They do it whether you want them to or not. Easy used to, this is actually funny. When Easy was a puppy, he used to like walk around and just like plop and sit and stare at things. <laughs> and he would just sit all the time. Like just constantly, just stop and sit, stop and sit. And Kyle was like, that dog's going to be a fuck up. <laughs> Did you teach him that? <laughs> and I'm like, he's literally just sitting. Like he's just comfortable. He's just sitting and watching the world go by. I didn't have to tell him shit. And... But dogs will naturally sit, and it is a natural movement. Or, like, think about Frankie. Remember when I was joking about his butthole? Yep. He sits when he feels any amount of pressure, which for him, because he's a generally more fearful dog, he feels pressure easily. Mm -hmm. 
And so if he feels pressure, if he thinks that he's doing something wrong, if he thinks that somebody's getting going to get on him about something, he'll tuck his butt. Or if he just doesn't like something, like when Jada was trying to teach him how to stand and she was using her foot to kind of like tease him up, like up under his soft part of his belly, just kind of like touch up under there. He got so offended by that and he sat down because he's covering his parts. Like it's just a natural response. It has nothing to do with the fact that the dog was taught how to sit. Mm -hmm. And so the real issue is not don't ever teach your dog how to sit or lay down because they will without fail sit on point. The issue is you don't know how to effectively communicate to your dog the difference between standing and sitting. That's it. But nobody wants to admit that. Right. It's so right. much easier to be like, no, my Just dog's going to be it. successful because I'm not going to set them up for failure. Right. Teach them to not sit. Right. And so the same thing with the retriever stuff. I don't know how to successfully keep or separate out tug from hold. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy that trains here, Jake Face. He run, uh, his company is called True Loyalty. He's in Minnesota. And he's got a mount on. He used to train for Mondio. And he still, like, does a little bit of it. But I just don't think that he's in it as seriously as he once was. And his dog's a little bit older. And he posted a video on his story the other day. Where he had a tug in his hand. And the dog was on the tug. Tugging on the tug. And he was like, let's see the difference between hold with movement and tug. And so the dog's tugging, ripping, like, you know, flopping his head around, really ripping the, Mm -hmm. the, like, trying to pull the tug out of Jake's hand. And he said, hold, and the dog became totally still. Kept the toy in his mouth, but totally still. And Jake was, like, pulling on it, which would, in most dogs, trigger their desire to tug if you're putting pressure on it. But his dog, Theron, was walking into the pressure because his goal was to hold, not tug. And then... After a few moments of that, Jake said, yeah, which is his release. And he didn't let go at all. He just started tugging again. And so he could go from holding the same object, literally not even leaving, having it leave his mouth, Mm -hmm. holding to tugging, tugging, holding, tugging. So if you can do that, then it should not be an issue with a bird. Yeah. So... But people just can't, and they, the other thing is that a lot of people that train bird dogs or like a specific type of dog, gun dog, something like that, a lot of these guys that are like pros, they, that's all they do. They like, they just want to do that. So they only ever work with that certain kind of dog and they only ever do it this way and it works. And they don't take influence from Mondio ring guys. Because I'm sure it's also the way that, like, their dads taught them or someone else's. Like, their uncle or something. Right. And whoever, like, you know, like, Kyle worked for a a kennel when he was in high school. So I'm sure a lot of these guys did stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. And so they do it the same way that guy taught him. And they, like, but they only learn from people that are training for the specific thing that they do. And I know a handful of them. Chill, bro. I know a handful of pros that train pointers and setters and and I have other Facebook and Instagram people that do different types of dogs and so many of them will say things like about dogs and I'm like that is not true for all dogs. <laughs> that is just not, I can't even think of an example right now but they just will like think that they're saying this like big hot take deep profound thing and I'm like the rest of the world? Yeah, we've been doing that. Like, that is not new. That is not weird. 
my favorite one was when I first started work, uh, dating Kyle and we were talking about bird dog stuff and he was teaching me or like telling me about like woe training and like woe breaking a dog out. And I was like, so it's just a stand stay. And he was like, no. I was like, it's a stand stay with a distraction and the distraction is a bird. And the bird is like the competing motivator. It's a stand stay. I can do that. Anybody could do that. That's not hard. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just not, that's just a thing. Like, that's just what dog, you can do that. You can just teach dogs that. And we saw a video, I remember this was like early days of us dating. We saw a video where, you know how like when people are teaching like a kick in the stand, they do like a little like lure under like that. And sometimes they'll use their foot in the beginning. This woman, I think it was a Brittany, was starting the process of woe breaking her dog from a sit into a stand and posted a video of it and somebody took that video and posted it like shared it somewhere else some bird dog guy and was like what the fuck is this and was like freaking the fuck out (laughs) well no it was like the way she was handling her dog and kyle sent it to me and the way he sent it to me was kind of with the intention of being like this is ridiculous that this guy is flipping out and i was like that is not weird to me at all like, if I came from, like, the sport dog world, like, the, like, AKC obedience type sports, and you handed me a bird dog, and you were like, teach this dog how to stand, that is how I would get the dog to stand. Like, that looks normal to me. You just have never seen, like, not Kyle, but, like, people have just never seen that because they don't branch mm-hmm. out of their own little bubble where their dogs walk into a stand. Or I literally set you into a stand. Mm-hmm. This is just a different way of getting into a stand. And some people might argue that I would like to teach a dog how to stand from literally any position. From wherever you are. From a down to a, from a sit to yeah. all these different things. I want you to know stand in all capacities. So your stand is stronger. Also, I bet people get weird when... I, I don't know if nobody ever said anything, but I would not be shocked... A few weeks ago when I posted those videos of me and Easy walking down the driveway when it was snowy and mm-hmm. I was telling him, whoa, and then I would release him from that stand, willing to bet there were some bird dog guys like just cringing. Yeah. You can never, because they'll literally walk over to their dogs and pick them up and then set them down and give them a release. And do they just like think the dogs can't generalize the behavior enough? I th- yeah, I think that they just don't know how to proof the stand and separate out you are being released versus the bird just got up and I have not released you yet. Mm-hmm. I think they just don't know that. They just don't want to do anything that the dog visually... Because some people will say that even in like a downstay, they'll say like never reward your dog out of position. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bullshit. You train that. That's a separate little behavior yeah like the the release cue is a behavior just like sit is sit and down is down okay is getting up and you have to like you train that differently mm-hmm. and they just don't know how to do it they just don't think like that and it's simpler to just never do that right yeah. like it's just easier to say like well i don't want to know how to do that so i'm just going to pick my dog up and set it down and then it can go be free and I'm okay with that. And that's fine. But just say that. Just be like, oh, maybe that can work, but I am not interested in learning how to do that, so I'm not going to. And I'd be like, word. 
I'm going to. And yeah. it's going to be fine. So. Soft dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the re okay, so the reason why we were talking about easy though is I was gonna say in that conversation in the subscriber chat when I'm, when I am going all the way back to the very beginning of this where I was talking about how dogs are super complex and it's not just like oh they are soft all the time one hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. because. Easy, I would say, is soft, meaning he does not like emotional pressure. So, like, if he thinks that I'm mad or if I'm acting scary or aggressive, and I've never had to be... Well, let me get in. I'll get into that in a second. But, like, I'm a yeller. I yell. I When my dogs are, like, barking and getting all antsy because I'm doing let outs, and it's just, like... Letouts are like a 15 minute long fucking ordeal because I have to do rotations and there's just a million dogs and whoever's not out, not all of them, not every single one of my dogs, but in every single rotation, there's at least one loud dog Mm -hmm. In others, there's more. And so whoever's not out is barking. So I yell and I know that it does nothing, but it feels damn good for me to just fucking yell and we're all yelling. It does not stop the barking. Never has, never will. Don't expect it to. I'm still going to keep yelling. It feels really good to tell them that I'm going to rip all their vocal cords out and I'm going to rip their heads off and put them on a fucking stake. Or I'm going to take them out behind the barn and shoot them. It feels good to say those things sometimes. So anyways, I yell. And Easy sits in his crate and trembles. Just is trembling. And he's fine. As soon as he gets out, he's fine. He goes outside and he's whatever. But he's sitting in his crate like, oh my god. There's so much chaos happening around me. And so you could look at that and you could be like, Ick, that's a super soft dog. I don't like that. He's so scared. He can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And you could say that's a problem. It's not a problem. There is a lot of chaos. Like, that's not a weird thing to be upset about. So he's soft there. But he's not lacking in drive. He's not lacking in power. So soft dogs are not... It's not like mutually exclusive that soft dogs can't be high drive dogs. It just just looks different than the high drive Malinois. Mm -hmm. But so the other thing is... I have never actually had to be mad at Easy. Because he's soft. Sure. He just doesn't. He does it the first time. Is there a difference between soft dogs and fearful dogs? Yeah. Tell me about that. So, like, Frankie... That's exactly who I was thinking of. ...is fearful. Mm-hmm. And because he's fearful, he's soft. But Easy's not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. But he's just, like, a sweet, gentle baby angel... And so any kind of chaos or anything, he's it's just, like, too harsh for him. So do you think with a dog like Frankie, if he one day, like, woke up, was no longer fearful about the things that freak him out? Yeah. I don't like, know exactly where I was going with this. Would he be question. less soft? 
Yeah, I guess. Because Maybe. I, he's not really soft. I guess, I can't remember the last time I was training, like, how much pressure was put on him. Like, But the thing is, he doesn't need a lot. Yeah, yeah. So the issue is, and this is kind of what this guy was getting at. I wish I remembered his name. Snowbound Kennels or something, maybe? I might have made that up. Um, I think that might be right. Whatever. Um, what he was kind of getting at is it's not an issue with the dog. It's an issue with you and your perspective of the dog. And I also tied in a comment that I saw from somebody on some random... I have no idea what the Facebook post was even about or what group it was in or what kind of dogs we were talking about or what. I think we were talking about bird dogs, but this guy made a comment where he said, I don't want to have to be heavy-handed with my dogs. Like, that does not seem enjoyable to me. Mm -hmm. So I specifically chose a breed that would respond well to me not being that way. So, like, instead of buying a fucking Yak Terrier and being a person that doesn't want to beat the shit out of a dog, he got a setter. And he's never had to be harsh with that dog. Because they just don't need it. It's not that they can't, like, there are probably individuals that can handle it, but they just don't need it. I just, every setter that I've ever met, as far as, like, I shouldn't say that. Like, there are definitely some setters that are more independent and more willing to just blow you off in the field. But I think that's a little bit different. Like, in close quarters interactions. Do you think that it's possible for if, like, a setter had a handler that was really heavy-handed, for the setter to almost outgrow being soft in that way? Like, to just be like, this is my life, this sucks, I'm just going to have to deal with it. I, I don't think know if that's you would... humanizing the dog too much, or if no. it's like... I, th- I don't know, I honestly can't say a lot, because I don't have a ton of experience living with a lot of different setters. Mm. I've been around plenty. Yeah. Um, but I would say that you would you would see issues somewhere else before the dog would just, like, roll with it. Like, I think you would have, you would end up with a dog, like, there are certain dogs that are a little bit more independent in the breed that are already more naturally inclined to blow you off and, like, just really rip and be gone. Sure. And I think if you were really heavy-handed with a setter, it would probably just be, like, well, fuck you and leave. Or... It just would, like, it wouldn't, I think it would shut down sooner than, like, a German Shepherd or a Malinois or a Bauer. Speaking of Bauer, he's hopping something. Sniffing, maybe the window. Yeah, you. I was talking about you. Whereas, like, Bauer is gonna take, like, will literally take a beating. A beating and just get better. Yep. He's not like, or if he thinks that the beating is not fair, he'll come at me. Mm-hmm. And then we're really like duking it out. But like the saying is like, you could train him with a two by four mm-hmm. and he would just be like, whatever. Okay. Got it. And the issue then too, like with some dogs like Kamikaze can physically withstand physical pressure 
and she can emotionally and mentally withstand emotional pressure. Me getting mad at her means nothing to her. She did not mm-hmm. fucking care. Mm-hmm. When she was a puppy, she, she was like six months old, and I walked in, I had, a, had her in a five-by-five kennel. And I walked in, and she, like, jumped on my back and, and scratched my back. She was just jumping to greet me, but she mm-hmm. scratched me, and it hurt me. And so I overreacted, and I turned around, and I grabbed her collar, and I said, knock it off. And I think she was just, like, ping-ponging around a lot, and it was just really bugging me, so I was just extra, and then she hurt me, and I got... Yeah, I got mad. And she literally didn't even flinch. She just looked at me like, the fuck is your problem? And one time when she was even a little tinier baby, she was, like, barking and just carrying on in her crate, and I was trying to, like... She was the first puppy that I ever raised, like, with intention, and this was stupid, but I wanted her to be able to be crated in the living room, which is dumb. And so I put her in a crate in the living room and all my dogs are like, all my other dogs are like milling about and doing stuff. And so she's carrying on and crying and crying and crying in a little wire crate. And I picked up my pillow off my couch and some of my other dogs, like Ollie, just in general has like a weird fear about things falling on his head. <laughs> Don't know where that came from. I mean, it's kind of a reasonable fear, but yeah, like nothing happened. He just one day was like, <gasps> every time something was over his head. But also, I used to, when my dogs would roughhouse, when I had all my dogs in the house, when they would roughhouse, and I had been yelling and telling them to knock it off, and they didn't, I'd throw a pillow at him. And so he knows what a pillow about, like, if I did this right now, I I haven't thrown a pillow at him in years. He'd be like, fuck. (laughs) So I raised the pillow up above my head, and all my other dogs are like, whoop, and like, move. And I threw it at Kazi, and she's barking and barking and barking. And hits her wire crate, and she doesn't even flinch. This thing comes falling at her head. She doesn't even flinch. And she just looked at it and sniffed it. Like went right back to barking. So she can handle all of these things. And it's almost like it makes it ineffective. Which then makes me like, well, why the fuck am I even bothering? Mm. Like, why would I even, why would I even bother being hard on you? Or like super physical or mad at you? When it doesn't even matter. And so like you're not even bothered. You just like... I can't make you cave into me where like Ollie and Roxy and all the other dogs that I had at that point, if I got really big and mean and mad, they would reinforce that in me because that's a weak moment for me. Like to be emotional when I'm correcting a dog is a weak moment, but they would cave. They'd be like, okay. And so then it reinforces my, my behavior to do that because it gets me what I need. And when I had Kazi look at me like, okay like she's just like whatever that seems like a you problem it's like well now I just feel stupid yeah why am I even acting like this and so I had the opposite experience of like this dog should be so easy to train because she just rolls with the punches and I had to become a totally different person with her because she just did not care about my feelings Hmm. I have no idea how I got to that part Because I don't think I started telling that story with the intention of getting there. And then halfway through, I was like, this is the life lesson I learned from that dog. Not whatever I started to say. (laughs) It sparked an interest, like, what I think is an interesting question. Because obviously, you have described yourself as a terrier person. Yeah. And now you're getting more into setters. And with that comment that you made about the guy who was like, I got into a breed that I couldn't... Yeah. Hard handle. So I got something that was really soft. And I'm not saying you like beat your dogs mm-hmm. or anything like that. But like. I'm a physical person. Yeah. And like the way you handle 
Maven is mm-hmm. going to have to be different than, mm-hmm. you know, all your other dogs. Yep. Have you thought about that? Yes. That's why I want one. Because I want to see if I can do it. Because the older I get, like, I like a dog with, with shit. You know, like, I like a mean, gnarly dog. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But the older I get, the older it, it is sure. to have to deal with dogs like that. And I have a whole new respect watching Now Easy come into, like, social maturity, sexual maturity, full-blown adult dog. Mm-hmm. He'll be three in May. And watching that whole progress. And, like, I I raised that dog. He is my dog. Kyle did the, the work, like, the sport and the hunting and all that. But, like, the day-to-day, from the day that dog was born, mm-hmm. he's my dog. And so I can do it. And the fact that I have lived three years with a dog that I've never had to raise my voice at. I've never had to grab. I've never had to like, I've never had to worry about that dog. Mm -hmm. Anything he does that's technically bad doesn't even bother me because it's really not that bad. Like he, he doesn't do anything bad. Even in in the few times that he's run away, I can't, I don't even get mad at him because he wasn't actually running away to be a dick. He just got a little turned around and it took him a while. You know, like, yeah, he's, he's a really, really good dog. And he's like, I say he's, he's so smart that he's dumb. I don't even know if if that's the right way that I want to articulate it. Like, I'm still trying to come up with like a one liner of how to describe it. But it's like, he's smart enough to know that it's not important to fight about it. Hmm. Where like Bauer and the Shepherds. They want to do it so badly the way that they want to do it. Whatever it is. Whatever they want to do, they want to do it so hard that whatever you're asking them to do feels like you're pulling them away from it. And those are dogs... Like, shepherds are dogs that are bred to work with you at a close range. But they're also, like, so smart that they will overthink every little fucking thing about it. Are you going to start dreaming in the podcast? Oh, Amos is dreaming. Oh, Amos, wake up, Amos. He's dreaming about you letting a reactive dog off leash to attack him. Oh, no, I knew Quincy wasn't going to hurt him. I knew they'd be friends. Um, so, Ka- like specifically, Kamikaze will overthink literally everything. Mm-hmm. She... <laughs> she wants to like know the full she is you she yeah. wants to know like the full parameters of it and you'll see the wheels turn like I was telling you about the outside toy yep. and that whole process that she does where whenever you like if you make something significant like ever since she's been a puppy she's a little bit better with now that she's an adult because she just doesn't care as much I don't think but ever since Kamikaze was a puppy if you tell her you're not allowed to do something she will literally test every fucking angle of that rule to see what what does the rule actually mean. And she the very first time she ever did it, and I already told you this, so it's redundant, but it's good for the podcast. <laughs> and I just told it to you today. But when she was a puppy, she came into the bathroom when I was getting ready once. 
and she took something out of the garbage and I was like, hey, 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 and like kind of got after her, but she was a baby. She was only probably like three months old or less. And so she, you know, I took the tissue or whatever it was that she grabbed away and she went on her merry way. And a few moments later, she came back with a toy and she dropped the toy in the bed. Toy? just head around. Do you want a toy? Where's your toy? Where's your toy? Go find your toy. He's like, oh, fuck. Go find your toy. There you go. That's a toy. Yep. Nope. That is a toy. You had a toy. I said it. You're too smart. Um, so she came back with a toy. <laughs> she dropped it in the garbage bin. And then she looked at me. And I didn't even, like, notice or register or think anything of it. It was the first time that she had ever done this. And then she reached in and grabbed her toy and, like, snatched it out in, like, a super, like, ha-ha kind of way. And then looked at me again and ran out of the room. <laughs> And then she came back a few moments later, did the same thing again, dropped it, looked at me, snatched it, and ran out. And I was like, that fucking bitch is doing this on purpose because I told her, you cannot have the garbage can. You can't have any, you can't have what's in the garbage can. And she's like, but what if what's in the garbage can was already mine? (laughs) And I put it there. And then she did it again when I had a plate, like I had eaten something, put a plate on the coffee table. She came over and tried to sniff it, and I just kind of went, no, 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 that's mine, or something to her. Like, told her, mm-hmm. she's a baby. I was like, nope, that's, get out of there. And so she just went and fucked off, and literally moments go by. And I completely even forget about that whole interaction, because it's just such a nothing interaction to shoo a puppy away from a plate. And she came back, and she dropped a ball on the plate. She looked at me. And I was like, well, get it. And she snatched it and she walked away. And she was like, mm-hmm. And she came back and did it again. And then, years later, we were at my facility in Edina. And we used to be like a, a partner with this raw food company that would do use us like a pickup location. So mm-hmm. this guy came and he unloaded a huge van full of dog food, frozen dog food, raw meat, into these cooler bags. And there was a whole system, whatever. And it would take him a while to get all this food set up. And I was standing in the doorway of, like, the big warehouse space on one side, the front lobby area on the other, and he's in the front lobby area, and Kazu's just running around with a ball in her mouth, just trotting around being a shepherd. And she wanted to be in the food, like, where the food was. I had already called her out of there. She had been sticking her nose in bags and getting in his way and kind of nibbling on some of the products. And so I was like, all right. And I kicked her out and put her in the warehouse. But she was right there, like. The door was open. I was standing in the doorway just kind of blocking her. And chill out. Chill out. And so she's got this tennis ball. And we're chatting. And all of a sudden, she comes up on one side of me. And a tennis ball rolls into the room. (laughs) And she looks at me like, my ball is in there. And I'm like, you're not coming in here. Like, at that point, I knew that she was trying to get me to let her back in the room. Mm-hmm. And she was doing the same thing today. I had her out on the porch, the front door's open, and she found a toy out in the yard that just was totally shredded, disgusting, had been under the snow for months. And she kept trying to bring it in the house. And every single time she'd bring it in the house, I'd say, no, outside toy, outside, outside, outside. And I'd chew her out and she'd go out there. And I was sitting on the couch watching her and she'd come over and she'd stand in the doorway 
And one time she walked up, she set the toy down, and I said, "Outside toy!" And she picked it up, and she just walked away, like whatever, don't, I don't care. And then a few moments later, she left it in her mouth and came and put two front paws in and two two paws out, and was standing in the doorway, like, "Oh well." And I was like, "I'd let that go." Mm-hmm. So then the next t- and I didn't even care because it wasn't touching any of my stuff. Like I didn't react to it because it wasn't touching my stuff, and. Then the next time she comes all the way fucking in the house. And I was like, outside toy. And I kicked her out. And she's like, uh-huh. Okay. Like, you can see her, like, Two paws it. dead, four paws bad. Yeah. <laughs> don't set it down. And don't come all the way in the house. But you can stand in the doorway. All right. So she overthinks everything, which makes her challenging to work with in certain things. And she's had stuff in, like, sport work where she would anticipate... Like when she, I'd send her for a bite and I'd call out from across the field, she'd out, she'd guard, and then I'd walk in to pick her up and she would anticipate me coming and anticipate me telling her foos and she would flip into heel on the helper. Literally has never helped, like healed on the helper a day in her life. Mm-hmm. But she was just like, ah, bah, heel, and would just jump into heel. And so that makes her challenging. Easy is so smart to know, like he's smart enough to know that it doesn't fucking matter. And so I swear, the other day I took him out for a walk and the, the intention that I had for that outing was to teach that dog, start the process of teaching that dog how to heal off leash. Because there's a guy that is a pro trainer for Willow Creek Kennels and he's got setters and he field trials in our group. And he was healing two setters off leash, no collars, nothing. Totally naked dogs. Healing both of them together around the trial grounds. Like from point A to point B. I think he like let them out to go potty and then was putting them back in the truck. And I was like, that's fucking badass. Because somebody complimented me and said I was super impressive because I was healing two German Shepherds on e-collars around. And I was like... That's not nearly as badass as healing two setters completely naked around the trial grounds. And I was like, I'm going to teach Easy how to do that because I think that would be badass. Well, it was way fucking easier to teach that dog how to do it because one time, like a year ago, I had him on a leash. And, well, Kyle did. And Kyle, he was pulling like crazy. Bauer. Fucking chill out, dude. Um... He was pulling like crazy, and Kyle just said, I think it's time that he learned, like, I got to start working with him on the leash. Like, he's, he's old enough now, it's time to yeah. get him some manners. And we were with AJ, so I was like, well, just give me the leash and give me your remote and whatever, and you guys go up ahead and, and keep chatting, and I'll just work this dog. In five minutes, I had easy healing. With just, like, a couple e-collar corrections for hitting the end of the leash, he was, like, noted. And so he... He literally has never pulled on a leash since. And then when I was walking him around, I dropped the leash and he didn't even leave. Because it just, sure, let's just assume that it's the same. I don't need to overthink it. Why would I? She didn't tell me any new information. She just dropped the leash. So she must still want me where I would have been. Jesus Christ, Bauer. And that's what I mean. Like, he's soft. But it makes him easier to work with. Because I had literally had to teach him one 
one time in five minutes and he remembered that for the rest of his life because it was just enough amount of pressure for him to be like cool i'll never test that boundary again it's almost like he has his priorities in his head he's like yes. everything else like totally fine not, not worth fighting about, about. yeah it's just not worth fighting about i'm and he wasn't like in that session when i was using the e-collar he wasn't like ah, nah, nah. he was just taking the feedback like okay got it yeah thank you so he's soft but he's not like he's not cowering he's not freaking out he took the feedback he made his improvements and he got better and then he just that was, that was like a full-blown somersault off the chair <laughs> off your body really okay bauer that's enough this whole podcast is just you running around in the background <laughs> he does not fucking care I have to stop this and start it over, so, because it's going to, so, all that being said, I think that, really, Brew? I think I, I agree with what the guy said, is that he, does, he doesn't believe that overly sensitive dogs exist. It's just a, he didn't say the words, it's a bad match, but it's just a bad match. Sure. And it's not fair to the dog if you're gonna get rid of the dog because it's a bad match then whatever that's your prerogative but it's not fair to the dog to say that the dog is the problem when you just don't have the right kind of like you just don't know how to be subtle but so many people are like afraid to admit like with me when I say I'm just like a physical person like I do better with more balanced style training because my knee-jerk reaction in any given moment is to grab something. Like, I am not gonna just talk at something. I'm gonna, like, grab it, make it stop, make it do something. Bauer, I'm gonna grab you. Sit. So do you think having this dog, and, like, obviously you raised easy, but, like, having this dog really be... Oh, yeah. Yours. (laughs) Do you think, I guess this is also kind of a bigger question, but do you think that you would be less, become less of a terrier person? I don't think so. So that's what we were, that's, I don't know where the, how the fuck we got off that. But as I'm getting older, this was what I was getting at. As I'm getting older, it is less interesting to me that a dog has grit. Like, I'll always respect a dog that's got heart. Yeah. Like, I... But heart... Heart... There's setters with heart. Like, heart is attractive to me. I like... I like strength. I like confidence. I like power. I like courage. I like a dog that knows what it's there for and will do everything that it needs to do to to do that job. But... I don't need it to come in a package that's going to be aggressive and gnarly and just like on edge all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I still love terriers and I still think I vibe with terriers a lot. Like I can live with this level of just sheer chaos. Like <laughs> most people, like there are probably people who are li- will listen to this and be like, I can't even listen to this because yeah. Bauer is just being fucking obnoxious in the background. I can live with this. Now, If it was just me and I was, like, trying to watch TV, it would be a different situation. But I'm distracted by talking. But anyways, I like a dog like that. I respect a dog like that. But I'm less... Like, I'm less starry-eyed. Yeah. By it. 
and now, okay, I think we might be done with that toy. Let me see that. He ripped all the stitches off. I know, I saw that. I was trying to figure out what the little white things were, and then it, it dawned on me that he had pulled these off. Okay, all done. Um. Like, you don't mean it. He used to not be able to self-regulate with toys at all. Like, I took all the toys away when I first got him, and he would literally just sit at the door to the room that I put them in and be very bothered. But now he should calm down. Gonna get a drink of water, and he'll be fine. So now I can respect a dog like easy. That's why I started talking about how easy is smart, and I, I appreciate that. I used to want a dog that was going to make me work too hard. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that's just silly. It's, it's silly to want that. Do you think part of it is like having more confidence as a dog person? Like you don't have to prove yourself? Yeah, probably. And just as a human, as an adult in yeah. general. Like I think it just comes with maturity of like, you don't need the macho, you know, intense dog. And it's also like realistically not enjoyable all the time, you know, to live. Like it's not a glamorous life to have dogs like that. Like I specifically remember a conversation where there's another dog trainer here in the cities, well, in Minnesota, um, and she's got, I think the dog has passed now, but she had a Jack Russell who was really just, like, dog aggressive, couldn't even be out with her other dogs, and she could have, like, an X-Pen set up, and the dog could coexist in the X-Pen, but it was just, like, constantly walking on eggshells if she, if the dog was out with other dogs because she'd bump into dogs funny and start fights and whatever. And Bauer, uh, I had Bauer at the time and I think I'd just gotten him and or maybe I didn't even have him yet. I don't remember. But she and I were talking that she was telling me about this dog and like I had seen all the she had taught the dog so many tricks and little she never competed with her but like disc tricks and agility and like fun little cute things and lots of like power and heart in this little tiny dog and I was like oh my god I love that dog oh my god and I'm telling her I'm just geeking out over her dog to her and she was like yeah and we were talking and she was just talking about how stressful it is to live with a dog like that. How she just doesn't really care for her. She's tried to rehome her, but there's, you know, there was some drama with the breeder that made that difficult, whatever. And I was just like, I said something along the lines of, like, not immediately in response to that, but something along the lines of, like, I'll always have a dog like that in my life, right? I'll never not want a dog like that or something. And she just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and, like, she's maybe five-ish years older than me maybe more maybe less I don't know but she's older than me and she was just like okay and now I get it yeah I remember the first time we were really talking about Bauer I was like wow that's so cool that like like I love terriers all this stuff and you're like yeah he's cool but like I'll never be able to take this dog out yeah in public right like he's a really cool dog but like there's so much stuff that I'll never be able to do with this dog. Right. And I was like, damn, like that's Yeah. And it's like it's not because he he has different stuff going on. Yeah. Than like, you know, you think of like a traditionally like reactive dog. Right. But Yeah, like the way he was tonight when he was all like keyed up and, mm-hmm. and wound, that's how he is if I take him into like tractor supply. Yeah. Um and a lot of it is just 
him. Like, not necessarily the breed, but just him. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that if I had raised him myself, it would be different. Because I know plenty of Yak Terriers that are level-headed and, and chill. But, and he can be, it's just not con- consistent. But yeah, there's a lot. And, like, the fact that he can't fucking be crated. Like, yeah. he can. You can physically put him in a crate. He's not going to get out of it. But he cannot mentally handle being in confinement. He doesn't, no, he doesn't have separation anxiety or anxiety about it. I wouldn't, nothing that that dog does would I consider anxiety. But it is just kind of like a, it's a fairly common thing for Yak Terriers in general to just not do better. And like dogs like this, not even Yak Terriers, but people will talk about it. Like they prefer chain spots. Like the dogs are way more comfortable on chain spots than they are in kennels. Because they'll just get themselves all keyed up in a kennel. This is going way off topic from the original podcast subject, but do you, how do you think he would be if you were like a go to ground dog? Like if you hunted with him like that, like if he doesn't like a kettle, would he be okay in? Oh yeah. Because he'd be in pursuit of something. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, he would be like in drive. So it wouldn't be, he, in a crate, he has nothing going on. Sure. And he can be like in the van, totally quiet, totally fine. It's just in the house, and all he he literally will just sit there and dig and groan, and so you just hear like, dun, 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 but then he's going like, groaning. He needs a little padded cell. Yeah, he just gets himself too keyed up, but he's not like that on a a stakeout. Yeah, like he doesn't spin himself, dig a hole into the ground in a stakeout. So it's just a different. It's a different. They're just weird. But there's just things about him, yeah, that are really challenging. But what's really funny is I came full circle. Did you know your phone is unplugged? Yep. Okay. I didn't know if Bauer did that when he got stuck. I think he did, but it's okay. Okay. Who? That's Peru. Um, We got cut off because Kyle called me. He's in Eau Claire at a field trial right now. And so he's calling to check in for the night before going to bed. But now I don't remember what the fuck we're talking about. I think... I was talking about how I came full circle, mm-hmm. how somebody looked at me when I was like, I only want the gritty dogs, and someone was like, <laughs> okay. There was, there's a girl that lives in Fargo who came to my seminar last year, and then she came up here for a different event that I had going on a couple months ago, no, last month, whatever, and then I told her, if you're going to drive all the way here for this like $25 event, you might as well come to group training. Mm-hmm. And, like, actually work your dog. And so she and her friend came to group training the next day. And they got here before anybody else. And I was still letting my dogs out in the barn, in the fenced-in area. And so they walked over and I had the dogs out. And we were just talking about she's got a shepherd. And I think she has two labs. And she was telling me that one of the labs that they got, or a golden in a lab. I can't remember. Was this the girl that... Her dog got attacked and was reacting. No. Which one? Was this is Katie and Otto. The. Yeah. Okay. And. <laughs> it's gonna sound like so dramatic. <laughs> like, so. It's not dramatic at all. So. <laughs> Savannah literally just did a motion with her arm to signify the girl that was doing this with her dog. Yes. 
Because the the dog was wearing a dominant dog cape, like a cable collar, and so the arm and a lot of people were like, "What was that?" And I had to explain what the collar was. So, anyways, she we're talking about her dogs, and I cash an easy out, and we were just like talking about the different bird dogs and whatever. And she was like, "My yeah, my boyfriend came home with this dumb lab, and she's just like shitting on this lab," and. And, like, she's being goo- like she's being funny. She wasn't just being a bitch about it. But she was just kind of, this dumb lab, and I don't want a lab. My boyfriend came back with a lab. And I was like, well, what kind of hunting does your boyfriend do and whatever? And she's like, a little of everything. And I said, if he likes to do a little of everything, then... And she had said something about, like, wanting... Like, she pointed at Easy and said something along the lines of, like, see, I like that. And I was like, well, if he does a little of everything, what you really want is that and I pointed at Cash because they're versatile and it sounded like he did some waterfall and some upland and she was like really I don't want any of that I only want dogs that are bitey or something like that like said something along the lines of like I only want bitey dogs and I was just like how old are you and she's like 20 and I was like see you in 10 years <laughs> and I was just like I know when I say this like it's gonna she's either gonna roll with it or it's gonna bother her mm-hmm. like it bothered me when the girl said it to me but I was like you know what this is, feels like a rite of passage for me I feel like I need to I feel like I need to say this out loud even if it's at the expense of somebody else and she was fine she laughed and she rolled with it and I don't know if it stuck with her or anything but it shouldn't it it was no deeper than just me being like I said the same thing. Yeah. And it's not because I've gotten weaker or softer, you know, like I haven't changed. I just have a whole new perspective on on what actually makes those dogs, the soft dogs, what they are. Well, also your interests have changed. Yeah. In sports. But just my perspective of dogs, I mean. Like, I no longer look at dogs and think you can only be impressive if you, like, if you are mean. Mm -hmm. Like, the power and and grit and, and intensity doesn't always have to be synonymous. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. With like gnarly and edgy and and fighting and aggression and like you got to be careful with this dog. He's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I got Biggie, before I got Biggie, I actually like wanted a dog that was human aggressive. Hmm. I was like actually seeking out a dog that I had to manage more around people. Which is like the weirdest fucking thing in my entire life that like why would I why would I seek that out? But I just like that's what I thought I that's what I thought would be cool. That's mm-hmm. what I thought would make me stronger and like more impressive if I had this dog that I had like eighty five rules before you even like walk into my house. Mm-hmm. And that's miserable. I don't wanna fucking live like that. I love having dogs that I can just be like, whatever. Go out. Go see that person. Yeah. And they're not going to do shit. Like, my biggest fucking flex about Bauer is that he can, for one, he's super social with people. But he will adjust and he will be gentle with a child. Mm-hmm. But he'll, like, fight a dog for no fucking reason. But when a little kid has a ball... He'll, like, back up and, like, take your time, man. Whenever you feel like giving me that ball, I'll take it. But if it's me, 
he'll be like, <laughs> trying to get the ball out of my hand and jumping at me and causing a whole fucking ruckus. But when it's a kid, no one had to tell him that. He just knew. So I just value different things about dogs now. Yeah. And that's like, we've had conversations like that about control and like the drive has always been impressive. Like it's all, it'll always be impressive to see a dog just like bursting at the seams with like love for whatever they're doing. And a dog that is like super easy to motivate because all you have to do is say toy. A little slow on that one. You're getting a little sleepy. And they're like, huh? or like Cade. Cade has started doing that. Like he could just be like farting around the yard. And all of a sudden I'll just be like, hey, where's your ball? And he's like, um. And he gets up and starts looking around like, where the fuck is it? And he's like super animated, like bouncing around the yard looking at every corner. And like that's super fun. That's super fun to see a dog like that. I still love a dog like that. But. It's so much more impressive when you know that the dog has that much under the hood and you can just tell them sit and they do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and I think that people don't understand. And this is the thing that I hate when people say things like, um, like, okay, you did that with a Malinois, but now do it with a coon hound or whatever. Like, we'll do it with a whatever, whatever. It's like, I don't think you fully understand what a Malinois is. Like, it's, yes, they are really smart, and yes, they are bred to be more work in tandem with humans. Like, there is no denying that they are genetically predisposed to be better at learning things. Mm -hmm. But it's exactly the same reason why kamikaze is challenging to train things to, is the same reason why at Malinois. And a dog that has more drive, like too much drive, is harder to work with than a dog that is lower drive, because they're going to fight everything that you want to do. Because, like, if you put a ball in front of a highly ball-motivated dog and ask the dog to work for the ball, they're literally just going to stare at the ball and, like, I can't fucking do anything. I can't fucking move. I can't do anything at all. And you're like, literally move your body. Sit. Just put your body in a sit. And they can't because the ball's there. Mm -hmm. And people don't know what that feels like because they've never had a dog like that. And so they see this dog doing all these fancy things and they think that they just, like, woke up one day and they were like, hey orbit around my body and the dog is like okay and saying you can't do that with the you can't do complex shit like that when a dog is so like literally just like drooling profusely because there's a ball on the ground that hasn't even moved Mm -hmm. and they're just on a leash and there's a ball right there and they're like fuck give me the ball give me the ball give me the ball so there's challenges to every aspect of it but That's always impressive, but it's way more impressive to me to see, like, the control that you can have and the fact that you can get that dog that is so fucking motivated. And, like, that's why protection sports are even interesting in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's because those dogs want nothing more in life, literally nothing more in life, than just to sink their teeth into that sleeve. That's all they want. And you cannot, when you start, like, in the way that you raise a puppy in that world... You put a ton of fucking freedom into that the first like year of that dog's life in protection sports. They're not expected to do any obedience. They're not expected to think or anything. You just are constantly just drive building. Just constantly showing them you put forth a little bit of effort and you're going to get this sleep. Like I want to see you put all your fucking heart into this. And then one day you pull them out on the field and you're like, okay, no more being crazy. Time to sit. 
And they're like, what the fuck? They spent a year of just like, bark, 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 bark on the end of the leash. And then the leash gives out and they get to run up and bite the guy. And all of a sudden now you come in and you're just like, okay, now you need to know things. And then that's really fucking hard. And then the other piece that is complicated is a dog will break under the mental pressure. And will like with Kazi... The mental pressure of like, I want that thing really fucking bad, but I'm about to have to do obedience and I don't know what to fucking do. So I'm going to heal on the fucking helper. And like she, her brain just like goes clunk and can't and can't compute, can't do it and overthinks it and falls apart. Dogs will fucking wash out of sports just because they can't handle the mental capacity of being in such a high state of drive and arousal and have to also think. Mm-hmm. And so when you can actually do that well, and like when you see these dogs that are at world's, like, those are dogs that can think under the, like, extreme mental anguish of, I know you want that so fucking bad, and I've spent your entire puppyhood telling you that you can have it, and they can perform at such a high level when they, and they, but then they don't show any, the other side of it is that they don't show any lack in heart later. Like, you can put all this control on a dog, and a dog that doesn't have a ton of drive will eventually just be like, mm, I just don't need it that bad. Like, if you're going to be harsh on me about getting, like, if you want me to do obedience in the presence of the thing that I want, and you're going to be harsh on me when I do it wrong, I'm going to become really cautious and careful, and maybe I don't want that thing as much anymore, because now it's a whole thing. Like, now I have to, now I have to really think about, is this the right thing to do, and not put my whole heart and soul, and like, come at it with my full chest, and be like, I know I'm supposed to be biting this guy right now. Mm -hmm. They'll run in and be like, am I supposed to be biting this guy right now? Or am I supposed to be listening to you? So if you can balance those two things out where they don't lack any drive, but they can still be completely under control, that's what's impressive about it. Yep. It's not like, like I have literally seen people on TikTok be like, okay, but do it with a Great Dane. Do protection sports with a Great Dane. It's like, why would I put myself through that? <laughs> why would I put myself through that? First of all, it's going to be like pulling teeth to get them to even want to do it in the first place. Like they'll play tug and shit, but they can't handle the physical pressure, but they most definitely cannot handle the mental pressure when I start to put control on them. Yeah. They will 100% break under the mental pressure. And that's why you never see Great Danes on the fucking podium at Worlds. Mm-hmm. Because those dogs, they just, other dogs besides those breeds can't handle it because they're not bred for it. And so people are like, well, no, it's just so much, it's just so not impressive to see dogs doing exactly what they're bred for. And then in the next breath, they see a fucking terrier chewing apart a rat, and they're like, oh my god, dogs doing what they're bred for! <laughs> huh. Off breeds only. Oh my god, breeds! <laughs> my god. Now my brain's falling out of my butt. Anyways. So I just have a whole new perspective on what's actually impressive about dogs, and I like dogs that are good at what they do, but they don't try to... I... That dog's gonna get murdered. Okay, anyway, I feel (laughs) really lucky to be learning from you at a time where you have that perspective, because... I'm, like, doing that with Flora right now, and obviously Mm -hmm. it's not, like, worlds... And mm-hmm. protection sports. It's fucking barn hunt. Yeah. Right? But for her, it might as well be. Like, right. <laughs> at the level we're at. And I agree. Like, it's cool to, like, now no longer just be like, do whatever the fuck you want in the yeah. ring. 
and I'll just be there and I'll pry you off. Right. And we'll just rack up titles, whatever. But now to actually like practice, like, no, you have to out it. You have to lay down. Yep. And then you can keep going. Yep. And to see her like, be like, what the fuck? Yep. And have to like keep going. Yep. Like, and then see her do it without even needing a lot of pressure. Like, that is super cool. Yep. But, and like you said, we've had conversations like that where it's like, the drive is like that innately exists. Yeah. But the control is something you have to work at. Right. And put on the dog. Right. And it, yeah, that's, it's not that the drive isn't impressive. It's just that you got it for free. Yep. And so like with a dog like Flora and a dog like Bauer and a dog like Quincy and a dog like whoever, Cade, you get that for free. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything to access that. And so it's fun. It's so fun, especially if you've never had a dog like that. Like, when I first got Bauer, the first 24 hours with him, I was, like, mind blown. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is this thing? And he'll literally do anything. Like, I thought it was so cool. He used to, I had, like, a drain pipe in front of my garage Mm -hmm. and with, like, a grate. And it was just, like, a pipe. And then it had a runoff that went who knows where. And I had rats. Didn't yeah. didn't know, but I had rats. Oh, this was not when you were doing barn hunt. Like, no, you were, you I had rats. Yes, I had rats in my garage. Cool. And it wasn't until I was moving and I was clearing it out, and I was like, why is this poop so big? And I was like, that is rats. Well, he would just go ham on that drain because they would sneak down there and they'd yeah. run in there. And I remember watching him, like, he was about to rip his nails off because it was asphalt on top of this. Like, it was a it was a PVC pipe about the size of a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget that we're on, we're not on TV. And I have to be like, I have to make a visual with this. <laughs> well, like, what are my fingers doing? Making a circle the size of a grapefruit. So, and he, and it, but it was... It was buried in the asphalt. Like, it was a drain in the asphalt. And he would sit there and just, like, fucking dig. Just go ape shit. And I thought that was so fucking cool. And when he... When I brought him to Barn Hunt once, the first time I brought him, the instructor was just, like, obsessed. Like, she lit up. Like, it was so fun to have... Like, just that energy is so fun. So it is fun. Especially when the other dogs that do Barn Hunt are, like... Geriatric. <laughs> it just puts around the ring. Yeah. I found a rat in case you care. Um, so the energy is fun. And like to see the dog want to do it is so fun. And when you've never had something like that, it's incredible. And I felt the same way about Kazi when I got her. But when I got Bauer, I was like, whoa. New flavor. This is different. This is intense. And it's not that I don't appreciate that anymore. I just appreciate, I appreciate that in addition to the other things that I appreciate. Because I know how hard it was to get us to a point where I felt like we had a partnership. Like the fact that I can even let him out. Like to let him outside with no e-collar on at all yeah. is not something that I do often. Mm-hmm. But like if I need to just go throw him in the van and I don't want to put an e-collar on him. And I do like a good scan of what's around us. <laughs> I can bring him out and he's not going to immediately run away from me. And that's insane yeah. with this dog. And the very first time that Kyle and I ever let him off leash, like I had just started dating Kyle and I had just started going to the, the farm and Kyle was so like beautifully naive about Bauer. 
he was like, he'll be fine. We put him on a GPS collar, so at least had that. And he was like, it's fine. Just let him off. Like, it'll be fine. And I was like, oh, my God. No, my God. And I was, like, totally freaking out. Were you using e-collars at this point? Barely. Okay. And, like, I was open-minded to them, but I had, like, maybe ordered one and hadn't even put it on a dog yet. Got it. And we let him out, and he was, like, 200 yards in 30 seconds. Yeah. He was deep. And I have never had a dog be 200 yards away from me at that point. And I'm just watching the GPS. Like, it was terrifying to see the number increasing, increasing, increasing. And I was like, that's it. He's, like, fucking gone. And it was, like, literally the second we took the leash off, he was like, pew, 200 yards. Yep. And he came back, and we got him. And I think Kyle was really nervous because... <laughs> And I was, like, really trusting him. I was like, he seems like he knows what he's doing. This will be fine. (laughs) Yeah, he'll be, he's okay. And he's calling and calling and calling and whistling. And he was louder than me, so I just kind of let him do his thing. And Bar eventually came back, and everything was fine. But, like, I never thought that I'd be able to let him off leash, let alone without even an e-collar on and have him around. One time I took him out into the pasture at the farm, Mm -hmm. and I had a, a cup of kibble. And I had no e-collar, nothing, and I was just, like, walking around, and I was just feeding him. And I was like, okay, that's enough. Like, we were out there for, like, a minute, and I was like, whoa, that was terrifying. And I brought him back in. And so, like, to have a partnership with him at all feels huge. Like, and his obedience is great. Like, his handle is is really, really nice. And a lot of people don't put a handle like this on a yak terrier because they just don't really need it. And that makes it feel like a flex that like when I go to the terrier trials, most people aren't interacting with their dogs in that way. Not that they don't care about their dogs, but they just don't need to put that effort into them. It's not a big deal. This is a great segue for a question I thought of earlier. Yeah. About soft dogs. Okay. Is it Mr. Mills or who is it that has a yak terrier that like crouches down and like thanks the dog for their work? Oh, that is, uh, okay. But that, that moment, the reason why I talk about that all the time is because that was a huge game-changing moment. Because I know that guy has laid dogs out. Mm-hmm. You can't own Yak Terriers and not bash skulls in. And I know that that, dog, that guy has had to have really, like, made it known to his dogs that they can't fuck around. And he still can be, like, human with his dog. You know, like... Like, Gen- like soft with this dog. So, so there was a live raccoon living where they put the scent trail. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it had started popping out to see what was going on. And dogs were getting distracted and going after this raccoon. Well, it was all like, it was like a, a bank. There was like a water, it was like a big... Like a slough, I think they call them, where they're just like, it's like a big flooded field. It's not even like a real lake. It's just like a big flooded field. But there was a a bank, and then there was like, just like a gnarly, like, just nest of like roots and down trees, and like, it was just a mess. And that's where the raccoon was. And they couldn't get them, like, they couldn't just get them. And so they had to get a dog to go in there and get the raccoon and pull it out. And so we go, and the dog goes in, and all you hear is just, like, chaos. There's a very specific sound involved with that, and you just hear chaos, and 
people are like getting down there and like trying to get in there and help the dog out and pull him out and they they pull him out and they kill the raccoon and we're all done and wiping blood off hands and shit and just standing around and we start to walk back and William and his dog were behind me and I just overhear him I didn't even see him do it but I just overhear like a pat on the side of his like under his rib cage and he goes thanks you're a good dog and I was just like uh that just blew my fucking mind because I'm over there gawking like yeah dogs killing shit (laughs) and he's like thanks buddy you're a good dog Mm -hmm. and I was like whoa I gotta I gotta do shit differently like I want people to look at me and be like I know she's seen some shit yep But she's kind to her dogs, and I appreciate that about her.